0: Welcome to Reptri Screenings, episode 45. I'm your host, Em, and with me are my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello, Cinema. And Destiny. Ahoy, ahoy. And we're here to talk about movies. It's movie Woo! time. Yay. Uh, time for the cinema.
1: Time for the movies. Mm,
0: mm, 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 mm. I feel mm-hmm. like it's... For, in my brain, cinema is like when you, you have to be going to the theater to be seeing cinema. That makes sense. I don't know let's, why let's, that's the delineation, but it is the delineation.
1: Let's begin with an ontological debate about the difference between movies and television. Let's go. We'll go with
0: we'll Solve It here and now. No one will ever argue about this again. Yeah, I've watched a season and a half of The West Wing over the past week. That's what I did. <laughs> we'll be talking about that on a different podcast. Cinema. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not here to talk about that. Um, movies. Who's seen a movie? Jackson, have you seen any movies? Definitely not. Okay, I mean, Destiny, Gaming who- and mostly just... Doing nothing? <laughs> yeah, that's why this podcast is a week late, because we've been busy with a thousand other things. Destiny, have you seen any movies?
2: I watched uh, Female Prisoner, 701, Scorpion. Uh, oh, that one! I can't remember which one, or which it, the title of that is. Hold on, let me look it up. Vamp. Um,
0: <laughs> No. It's not Vamp. We're not, yeah, let's it's just not let vamp. Destiny founder.
2: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, I thought it was
0: just... Called, that's just the title of the movie. No, Star. that's not, I also that's that's that not the, the
2: name film. of the one I watched. It's
0: a Scorpion film. There's like four of them. Oh, okay. So, Female Prisoner Scorpion Jails 41 and Pre- Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Stable.
2: I watched Beast Stable.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. You want to tell, tell everyone about that?
2: It was kind of gross. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I like these movies, because I like exploitation movies, and I think the revenge aspect is really cool, and I love watching her stab people, and the prison is always crazy. Like, there's no real prison that functions like this. They even put a disclaimer in front of the movie that says, like, no, there's no prisons like this. But, oh, oh man. no. Like,
0: the plot somewhere on Wikipedia is bad.
2: Yeah, like I said, it's kind of a gross movie. There's a lot of yucky stuff in it, but... uh I I can't say that I, uh, you know, didn't enjoy myself <laughs> for what it was. I'm going to let y'all read that plot oh on no! your own time. I'm not going to go into it. I got halfway through and I
1: was like, you know, like a weird detective uh, doing some shit. I'll get get back in that and then uh, this this uh, this this went bad i'm not gonna read out this you can go read the read the summary <laughs> yourself content warnings for a bunch of shit Damn. yeah
2: exactly it's a very like they really want to shock you they really really want to shock you and that's kind of how yeah. these movies are made but um this one is not as it's violent but like the violence is you know what i'm not gonna say that i was gonna say it's not as violent as the last one but (laughs) they're pretty violent they're just violent films quentin tarantino has never had an original idea
1: that's true but neither did anyone else so it's fine but Um, yeah
0: that's the film i watched i watched insidious i watched it uh, with you one horror film yeah um which I just kind of missed at the time I 2010 was a bad time for me watching horror movies I felt like everything that was coming out new like automatically had to be bad and I think that's like still a good rule of thumb but these days I'd probably go see more stuff if the theaters were open but I was going to see bad horror movies again right before COVID hit so (laughs) Um, yeah
1: you watching the invisible man
0: (laughs) I liked the invisible man thank you very much I watched that one about the family in the in the cabin that was all stranded too that one was pretty good don't remember the name I, of it.
1: <laughs> I did not take bad in the bad horror movies to be a necessarily qualitative discussion. Uh, yeah. Just uh, you know, marker.
0: Um, but Insidious is one that's like it spawned a whole franchise. Since I wasn't paying attention, and uh, you know, I think it blew up James Wan really big, and. Um... Yeah, we just checked it out and it was it was surprising. It's weird cuz it's like a it's like definitely a riff on a Poltergeist um but he's like really invested in like the modern idea of like world building in your horror movie in a way that like I I like this because most movies wait until, like, the sequel to do this. They're like, oh, you know, we make one, it blows up, and then, oh, shit, we have a franchise. Let's make some world building. This just out of the gate is like, we got some characters, we got some history. We'll explore this if we get to make more. If not, you already see what we're doing. Uh, It's out here. Um, There's a whole spirit world that uh, (laughs) that (laughs) Patrick Wilson walks through with its own lore and history. Um, It's weird. Uh, But I mostly enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good.
2: I liked it, too. It was... Uh, creepy in all the right ways, and I really liked the medium that they hired and her whole deal, and
0: yeah, good movie. If any time through a movie halfway in you have to hire someone to come in and they're like the ghost expert, I'm having a good time basically. <laughs> <the board. laughs> Van Helsing's poltergeists, ladies, whatever, you know, it's all good. It's a good, it's a good bit. Yeah, it's a good bit. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, we intend to watch the rest of them, and I'm excited about that. See they're how they written. build on the lore of Insidious. Mm-hmm.
1: They're, all, they're all written by L, so that's good.
0: Yep. Uh, but that's it. Otherwise, I've been just watching a lot of television. I started watching uh, the Twilight Zone, which I've never seen. Um, but I was like, I want some like spooky television. And one of my friends was like, You should just watch Twilight Zone. Like, don't watch just the episodes everyone recommends. Just load up the Twilight Zone and watch Twilight Zone. I was like, You know what? I've seen maybe five episodes of Twilight Zone in my entire life. It just totally missed me. Uh, let's, let's just start from the beginning and watch the first two. And it had a great time. I forgot they were half hour for one. I thought they were hour long episodes. So easy to just watch two. Um, and, the thing watching more tv and like doing this podcast the thing that i like is just when you get a bunch of good actors in that are only here for one episode and they're just gonna do a thing and they're gonna be good at that thing and you're gonna get to see some goddamn melodrama and then they're out and next time it's something else uh we've been watching voyager and Voyager's also a lot of that like mm-hmm. the complaint and the benefit of voyager is that it's a show where everything resets literally every episode there's never any continuity um but that does mean you get you know guest episodes doing good work um and that's just what Twilight Zone is, so I'm, I had a good time. I was surprised. I want to keep watching it. It's a weird gap for me, considering it's... it, like, checks the boxes of everything I like about television. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: Twilight Zone's great. I've watched
1: um, a few of the 50s stuff, and like just some random episodes and other things, and everything I've seen I've really liked. Uh as the 50s stuff especially is the most just like, oh, back in the day, I guess TV was like for actors in a in a way that like, of course it was. You just, you know, you, you don't have time to shoot anything complex. So you hire an actor and have them do something for 25 minutes.
0: What's well, weird, because like it was like still seen as like a downgrade for like film actors. But you right. get a lot of people who are coming off of stage, like, you know, trying to transition over coming in. Um, so you get people who or like people early in their career who end up like blowing up afterwards or whatever.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah My uh, New Year's Eve And Fourth of July Tradition As a kid was to watch the Twilight Zone Marathons on the Sci-Fi Channel And I still do it Every New Year's Eve I just load them up and just watch A whole marathon of them for the whole day And just have it on in the background And it is one of my favorite shows Yeah Yeah I love how all there's like one of five possible twists for every episode, and I like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just I love I love the allegory of them. I love Rod Sterling. I I love everything about the Twilight Zone. Yeah,
0: so hopefully I keep uh, chipping away at that. For some reason, Netflix doesn't have season four, but it has everything else. I do not understand. Weird. I'm sure there's like some production reason for this, like it's owned by a different company or something.
1: That's always how it goes. Yeah,
0: but um yeah that's it uh i guess with that it's time to get into our movie this month um this time i guess it's every three weeks might as well be a month Uh, the movie this time is barton fink uh the coen brothers classic from 1991 starring john turturro and john goodman jackson what's barton fink about
1: um he's about the calm people
0: he's about the life of the mind (laughs) (laughs) I'll show you the life of mine. <laughs>
2: Look upon me. Look upon me.
1: Barton Fink is a movie about the character Barton Fink, who is uh, a young uh, playwright uh, who has had a massive success on Broadway uh, on his uh, recent play that uh, seems bad, um, but is uh beloved uh, enough by uh it has like a really good review in one paper and they're like uh but you must go to hollywood and make a bunch of money because the producers understand that Barton Fink is not like the world's most special person uh and you know you get some talent you cash and you check and you to write some hollywood pictures and you get a bunch of money and it sets you up for the rest of your career uh Fink Fink is hesitant about this uh and but goes anyway uh and checks into the hotel earl A a weird cheap hotel that kind of sucks because he wants to remain connected to the common man which is the source of all of his uh, wisdom Uh, he is assigned by the producer to write a wrestling picture uh, and basically spends the next week failing to do that entirely while occasionally having conversations uh, with John Goodman, Charlie Meadows who is a, a sword of the earth insurance salesman, neighbor who lives next door um and comedically ignoring him as he's like uh I, you know john goodman's like i could tell you some stories and then uh John Cotero interrupts and going i bet you could and it does not listen to his stories at all um as the story goes on uh things become a little weird as uh it is revealed john goodman is possibly a murderer well definitely a murderer but his realness is in question i guess uh as he goes away um john Goodman, like uh uh john's toro like sleeps with a woman wakes up she's dead has to like john Goodman has to bail him out charlie meadows has to bail him out and then he's revealed then the cops come looking for him it's like he's been killing all these people and cutting off their heads including all these people you've hung out with uh returns set doesn't so much set the hotel on fire, as as he walks through it, a fire envelops the hotel, uh, kills the cops investigating, and in- informs Barton Fink that all of this weird, surreal bullshit is happening to him because he doesn't listen, and uh, that he, Charlie Meadows, is here to make Barton Fink open up to his eyes to the real world, and... While the hotel's on fire, he walks away and goes into his other room, and that's the end of that stuff. <laughs> with the uh, with the script actually finished, Barton Fink finally takes it to the uh, uh, his Hollywood boss, who hates it, thinks it's terrible, it's pretentious nonsense. He asks him for a goddamn wrestling picture, uh, and uh, tells him to um <laughs> that, that he's now like he can't even he's not even allowed to quit. He's just got to keep writing for them, and they're never gonna make him because he's under contract, and. That's just how it works in Hollywood. There's a million other bottom things to go through this process next week, and that's the end of the movie. I didn't mention the stuff with the um, uh, with the the picture. That's the actual end of the movie, but that's hard to like summarize. There's a picture in his room, uh, that his his inspiration for a lot of the uh plot. It stays for uh, stays above his desk, and then the movie ends with him going to the beach and uh sitting down, and that picture is recreated in front of him, uh, of a girl sitting on the beach looking into the sea, and that's the end of the movie. Really bad summary. It's a hard to summarize movie. I thought I know you did it is, great. It,
0: yes, I also think you did pretty well, so. Um so uh I'm gonna have Destiny go first since you're the one who likes this movie the most and has seen it the most times.
2: Oh, okay. Um what should I say? What where do I start? This movie There's a lot happening in this movie, but overall I feel like it's just about when you're so in your head you're ignoring the stuff of life actually and like he says he makes he has this talk that like he, he gets really passionate about going on about the common man and that sort of life but he doesn't really pay attention to the life around him because i feel like like em and i kept saying oh we could write three movies in the period that he takes to write that one paragraph about the traffic and the fishmongers and it's like he should just be using everything around him to write a movie and that's like the most frustrating thing about him
0: uh yeah it's really funny he's, like he's tasked to write a movie doesn't have to be correct doesn't have to be good he just has to make a mo- like make a movie in the genre give us a treatment in a week uh It'd be easy, you know? Like, the hardest part there is getting, like, writing enough pages in the hours you have, but, like, throw together a movie. We could throw together that wrestling picture better than he did right here, right now. It'd take us five minutes.
2: But he's got his... Oh, go on.
0: Well, no, I'm just agreeing. You you finish your point.
2: Oh, I was gonna say, he's got his burly man, he's got a dame, he's got, like, a drunkard. He could just use those archetypes and, and put this in the film, but he's too up his own ass
1: (laughs) yep uh yeah like there's an uh, urban legend's the wrong word because it's kind of true they wrote this movie um like in a break when they were writing uh hard sucker no not um middle's crossing
0: yes yeah
1: um which is often friends like when they got writer's block they wrote this movie uh if you go look at what their comments are it's like we didn't get writer's block we just want to do something else for a bit we're gonna come in our heads because this is a movie about how writer's block is a fake thing that doesn't exist <laughs> uh is uh <laughs> like a central tenet of this movie so calling it a writer's block film is very funny to me um because yeah like he's given the job to do it's a really easy job and the movie's very clear about how easy this job is and how funny it is that bottom fink just refuses to do it (laughs)
0: uh but also i remember when i was trying to be like a novelist in my early 20s and if you had given me this task i also would have spun out in the exact same way sometimes you just if you believe in the art too much you you ruin yourself (laughs) is it maybe about
1: being in college
2: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um in many ways <laughs> yeah we recently did an episode on uh for another podcast uh, your uncle's beach house which is usually about anime this is about a live action drama called blue blazes it's about art students in japan in the 80s that is also not like obviously tonally like barton fink but is about having everything blow up in this exact way
1: <laughs> yes um i didn't even make that connection but god yes no
0: it is very similar to that <laughs> yes um uh. Uh, my thing with this, uh, I've watched this like two, twice before, I think, and it's been a while since I revisited it and forgot. Uh, big swaths of it, like, I forgot that that lady turns up dead in his bed. Totally <laughs> out of my brain. Um, Everything between like him showing up and
1: getting the pictures right and. Hotel on fire. You don't listen. Basically, nothing. but void. Void in my mind. How <laughs> <laughs> the uh, fuck do we get from here to there?
0: But I was watching it. And the thing that I was struck by is, I'm like, I think this movie is really funny. I like it a lot. Yes. But also, I'd love to watch it in a, in a theater someday. I would like it to be cinema. So, because I feel like if I was locked into a dark room in a chair where I couldn't do anything, it would also be like a really good horror movie. I love the first half hour of this movie where it is just like a weird tense. This man has walked into, like, actual hell as, like, a barely-veiled metaphor, and it's just endless green hallways with gross, drippy wallpaper, and uh, Steve Buscemi is there as, like, the custodian of this prison that he's in. Uh, It's incredible. Like, the way the the door of his room makes, like, this, like, hermetically sealed noise every time he opens it. But Herc, also, no. the walls are, the walls are thin, and everyone's suffering, so, like, there is no actual privacy, like, you can hear everything that happens around you. Um, it's really good. The, uh,
1: like, the sense of the hotel L is, like, not even, not necessarily a haunted building, but definitely some kind of weird other place, right? Yes. Um, it's really, really good, uh, the constant sense of, like, there are so many people here, and you're next to them all the time, but you never see a single one of them, uh, so, like, everyone's deeply isolated but, like, crushed together and has no privacy. Uh, it's done really well. It's not, like, super in-your-face with it. Um, and, yeah, I think it's just, like, an, an amazing location for a movie. The Hustle L's a classic.
0: Yep. Whose phone's going off? Is that Destiny? It's That's not my phone.
2: Destiny. It's my computer, but it shouldn't pick up. It, it's picking up. It's picking ah, up. Damn. I keep thinking right. someone's
1: messaging me on Discord.
2: Okay, let me figure out how to turn off discord from making that sound on my computer
1: go to settings go to notifications and um uh, turn off sounds from for messages
2: mute nope i just want to turn off the sound so user click- settings
0: User settings notification and then turn off enable desktop notifications.
1: That's nope, that's not, oh, what you not it. You, oh, okay, that because that 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 brings it into the like notifications of the Windows notification thing. Oh, you want to go to the sounds bit and turn off the thing where it says message, which is the top thing. So, user settings, which is the uh little gear icon next to uh, okay, next I got your, that icon. up now,
0: Notifications, notifications on, the,
1: on the left side.
0: All right. And then down and then, to where it sounds, it says message. Just turn that off message.
2: Oh, okay. I did turn it back on when we're done with the podcast. Yeah. You know? Okay. Thank you. Because I didn't know how to do that.
0: Or you could just leave it off forever. You know, there's that too. Yeah. No.
2: <laughs> I don't, I barely use this computer for anything, but podcasting. So. Fair enough. Um. Anyway, where were we?
0: Uh, Everyone's Crushed Together or whatever Jackson's talking. Yeah, no, I
1: just really like the Hotel L.
0: Um, yeah, it's really good. And then, you know, obviously it leads to uh, Charlie showing up. And it's hard to talk about this movie without just talking about how good John Goodman is. National treasure. Greatest living actor. Um, and large portions <laughs> of that are because of this movie where he is just an overwhelming presence. I love him in this. It's so good. Yeah,
2: he's so good in this. He's perfect in this just this giant folksy
0: bear of a man who is like obnoxious but in a way that's really endearing um clearly full of shit uh and like vaguely threatening but like only in way in mostly in ways that are like because of barton's neuroses uh it's good mm-hmm. i love it um like even when he turns up at his you know the weird uh avatar of barton's like mental disintegration at the end and everything's on fire and he walks into his hotel room like he's you know back to his his prison in hell or whatever it's he's just a good he's just a good guy i love it he's so fucking good in this movie it literally wouldn't work without him no
1: (laughs) i think you get i don't think i have no idea who else you could cast to play to play charlie meadows (laughs) No idea. Uh, there like is. I'm sure.
2: Else.
1: I'm sure someone could. I'm gonna like to say it like, oh, you know, if they filmed it with someone else. No one would like the movie. But he is such a presence that he does destroy that possibility in your mind. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Uh... I, it's just it's just part like most of the appeal of this movie is him sitting around with uh Barton just like the two of them have nothing in common and do not relate and like Charlie just kind of bullying Barton into believing that they're friends in a way that's really funny to me Um yes. it's very good because like the mid period of this movie is them like literally is like a buddy movie about like all oh, together we're going to deal with everything I'll I'll bury the bodies and you write the scripts Barton yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: And
2: and like Fink believes that This is yes. real. He yes. he buys it entirely.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Well, Charlie represents the common man that he champions. So
0: <laughs> him being like you gotta understand the common man has truth, and then talking over Charlie every time in the first conversation is very good. I love it.
2: it My favorite I scene like. in the movie.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a real uh cringe comedy vibe to their scenes and i'm like i can't watch this i can't i literally cannot watch uh <laughs> um, john Zotero make a fool out of himself in this way this embarrassing man <laughs> it's like some peep show shit
0: <laughs> um, my version of him being too embarrassing is when he's trying to defend the honor of Audrey uh, it's
2: so bad oh this dad <laughs> uh,
0: because he gets entangled with uh, WP Mayhew who's played by John Mahoney who is fantastic in this um, I always think of John Mahoney as uh, you know Martin Crane on Frasier so like I it took me like 15 minutes to recognize it was him when he showed up in the movie mm-hmm. Oh. Um, Cause he's just so not my what I envision him as being, but like he's this very like you know well-to-do, cultured book author uh, who's dabbling poorly in the movies and drinking himself to death, and his you know longtime partner, who's definitely written all of his books for him, uh, is someone Barton gets entangled with, and then she shows up dead or whatever, and it's a mess. Uh, But she is so like it's interesting because a lot of this movie i think in many ways is a weird like generational metaphor about like ideas of art and like writers and like the culture around those things to me mm-hmm. um because like mayhew is like the old-fashioned like famous writer type they even say he's based on where was it um god it was in the wikipedia article though, like, was it william Roman Faulkner Pul- or clifford, yeah, or clifford yeah, was Williams. Williams- no no no. it's both william of Faulkner those specifically yeah, yeah. yeah. um And, uh, he's, he's working on like a slave ship movie. When you go to his office, it says slave ship. And he's like this, he's, he's fucking looks like Colonel Sanders, but like as a dandy. And he's, as he's like walking away drunk, he's like singing, uh, like a, like a song that's like definitely like a, an old, like, you know, black song. Like, it, it could be, I didn't look up the actual lyrics for the full song, but it, like, it could be like a, like a slave song, right? Like, he exists like in that. Like, old era. black Joe. Yeah, old black Joe. And John, like, Barton Fink is like about like a Jewish writer in the 40s, uh, in like a situation that is way more focused on like Jewishness and in the moments before Pearl Harbor and World War II. Like, literally the war happens while he's busy not writing this movie. Um mm-hmm. And he gets, when he gets like interrogated by the cops, like, you know, they're, they, they say antisemitic shit to him and they have Italian and German names. Like it's, it's very like on the nose about like him being in pigeonholed in this specific moment of where the culture was headed. Um That is like really weird. And interesting to me, the ways in which like, it's about a culture clash that is like predates the Coens, obviously, by like fifty years, but is like the generational handoff of like what who was making art in the way that they perceived it, right? Like mm-hmm. the the old guard who was writing novels is gone, and now it's the movie writers here. And Fink <laughs> thinks he's think he's part of that, and he's not part of that. And
1: thinks like really invent like he is. <laughs> so he invites Audrey over to basically write his script for him. <laughs> Uh, Because he is desperate. Uh, And then when he realizes that that's what Mayhew's been doing um, for years, is like suddenly betrayed. Like it's fine when he does it, but he has this image of Mayhew as like, he's, he's a real writer. He can't have been like stealing. You can't have been ghostwriting his novels for him. Mm -hmm. and he's like so furious it's a very funny scene because he goes off on like a two minute rant about it and she just sits there and then he just like ignores it and goes all right we gotta get to work (laughs) it's so funny
0: yes (laughs) Yeah, yeah the ways in which he uh like lives this vision of how everyone should be acting other than him is very good and pervasive but um it's weird because like those cop characters show up and they're from a different movie and they're like goofy and funny in a way that the movie is not typically goofy and funny um because they're like talking about madman Munt, which is uh charlie's like actual name and he he, he cuts off people's heads and it's like oh yeah this doctor's found his head and the other the other uh the other um the other cop's like, yeah, physician, heal thyself. It's like, it's hard to do without a fucking head. And they're just like these fast-talking noir characters in this movie that has been about like these like long, very intense, quiet moments. Um, And it's great. I love it. I love these two cops. They're like the one, one of the few things I remembered from the back half of the movie other than the hotel being on fire. Yep. <laughs> the, scene, cause the scene where like uh, Charlie
1: or I guess Munt at this point reveals himself <laughs> uh is one of the best scenes in anything yes <laughs> and just standing there uh the the flames start or the, the flames come later but the at first it's just like long shots of an endless hallway that it it doesn't. It's the same shot every time, but the way it cuts back, it seems like it's longer every time they cut back to it. Yes. <laughs>
2: um,
1: mm-hmm. And uh, after a while, like you see smoke, and then you see flames. Everyone's got flop sweat, like to an extreme. Uh, and then it eventually culminates in <laughs> John Goodman sprinting and yelling I, you know I'll show you the life of the mind. <laughs> Classic moments in cinema history.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um it's it's good it's so good i um it's weird rewatching this because i uh i remember uh, like you know obviously these broad strokes but i just forgot how much of a pressure cooker the movie is and how good it is at that thing like
1: mm-hmm.
0: um it, it's funny because it's like it, in many ways it's like a hollywood lampoon in the same way that what was that movie the insider rewatch really early on in this podcast yes. was but the way it goes about it, it is so dramatically different um and like even in being like oh like it's it's a murder mystery wrapped in a hollywood thing um they're very similar on the face of it um but this spinning off in such an interesting direction is just so so much more enjoyable to me <laughs> it's just,
2: oh than the player
0: yeah the player the player right right yes
2: yeah yeah no they're definitely uh the the hollywood that the player idealizes isn't even it never existed and the Hollywood and Barton think is more realistic but still like this fractured dreamscape.
0: There's a bit where he's having trouble with the script and he goes to uh, Tony Shalhoub, who's like his producer, and he's like, I'm having trouble. He's like, what do you mean you're having trouble? I'll I'll, Look, I'll screen some wrestling pictures for you because he's never seen a wrestling picture and he's got to write a wrestling picture. But instead of screening him um, one of the big wrestling pictures, he's like, oh, wait, we've got dailies from this other picture in development. Just show him the dailies of that. And he goes in and he's just sitting in this empty theater being shown like endless takes of a wrestling match. Uh, and he's just like horrified by seeing like a guy get slammed thirty times in a row uh, in this very <laughs> bad movie, and it's really funny the like vision of Ho- like the really specific vision of like Hollywood is a machine that is impenetrable to people who don't already understand it, and Barton thinks like a man who doesn't go to the movies. <laughs>
2: Well, what cracks me up is when he first gets there and he's talking to the, I can't remember what the head of the, Lipnick, the head of the studio? Yes. He's talking to him and he's like saying all this shit. And then the next scene when he goes to visit him after he's written the script, everything he says is a contradiction of what he said when he first met him. Because when he first meets him, he's like, the writer is king. And then when he meets him the last time, when he realizes his script sucks, he's like, Everything in your head is property of capital, um, pictures.
0: Yep. Him, like, marching around with his fake, uh, colonel uniform, because he's enlisted, because Pearl Harbor happened. It's good. Love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that character uh, The is... Japanese don't want him to sign back up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, and then did anyone notice, I didn't catch this until this viewing, but the line about, um, we'll be hearing from him again, and not just in a postcard, was in the shit movie, but it was also the last line of his shit play.
0: No, I did not catch that at all. (laughs) I didn't catch that either, but that's
2: hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, that cracked me up. Because I feel like the movie that he actually ends up writing is just an extension of this play. That is like some like exaggerated death of a salesman sort of thing. Yeah, I mean the opening scene of the movie is like
1: hilariously fake. <laughs> um, because so it, like it's a long, long shot of like uh like panning down through the backstage of this play of people working on. Uh, just like you know, l- the levers and uh, this moving the set around uh, until it actually lands on him as he's like watching enraptured by his own performance, and then it finishes, and then everyone like calls for him, and he's like, "What well, me? Me? Really me?" And it's literally like shot for shot. The um, uh, it's like the it's basically the opening scene from Rushmore, which is a dream sequence, but it's real <laughs> in, in Barton Fink's life. That's funny. And it sets the tone for the whole movie because, like, Bonifink is a weird character in that he he doesn't see his success as real because he's, uh, like, uh, cognizant enough to know that this whole machine is fake and the whims of the critics are nothing, right? Like, he understands this, but he can't actually admit, like, can't actually, like, well, that just means they have to work inside what the machine is uh, and get paid where I can because this all sucks. Instead, he doubles down, like, no, I have to become the truth of what what I've been built up to be. I have to be the best writer ever. Uh, No, I won't watch a wrestling movie before I write one. (laughs) Like, (laughs) ludicrous character. Uh,
2: Yeah, do we have anything else? Do we think Um... the last half is a dream sequence? Because that's, like, the big thing that lots of people think. I don't think it matters. No, it definitely doesn't. As matter.
0: always, it's one of those things where like I I guess it's like fun to speculate about and I think this movie more than most gives you the ammunition for that in a lot of ways with how uh like relatively sedate the first half is and the ways it spins out into like, you know, uh like almost magical realism, I guess, in the in the back half, but um, you know, it's it's does it materially change the nature of the thing to say that? And I'm I'm not sure I think that's like interesting to go I think down.
1: the interesting thing about the way it frames that stuff is that there's never any punchline to it. There's no kicker. There's no uh reveal of like oh we thought this was the fantasy, but this was if just the movie just gets weird and it gets weirder and then the credits roll. <laughs> like, it doesn't ever kick it back. So I don't know, like is this or isn't this a dream sequence? Uh, it doesn't really like encompass any of the questions i'm thinking when i'm watching the movie because the movie is like it's a movie it's a, it's more a movie that's about you are it you very aware this is a fake movie because you're watching it it's been written by the coen brothers right yeah and uh it's far more dealing with like very direct metaphors of what it means to watch a, a film and of what you take from that than any in universe was this a fan theory yeah. dream sequence well i
0: feel like the the service level of that is like ah oh, like after audrey dies it's all like a dream or whatever but like for me it's more about like the function of like does charlie exist period like is he just a mm. reflection of of barton's whole existential angst about creating this movie is the theater or is the earl like a real place or is it like a metaphorical hell that he has found himself in is it literal hell that he's found himself in and the thing about movies that is good is that th- that is not a question of re like, is this real or not? It's the movie is these things at all times. Like all the answers yes. are true because you're exactly. looking at a thing that does not give you answers.
2: Yep. That's how I feel about it.
0: Um, but like there's, there's few things that feel as like mind expanding as you know, Charlie getting off that elevator and saying, he's going to show you the life of the mind <laughs> as, as like hellfire erupts down the hallway. Um, it's just, it's just like uh it's just an incredible, it's it's Picard realizing the paradox moment, but for Barton Fink, he just doesn't get the lesson. <laughs> That's true. He, just, like, puts a shotgun
1: in that guy's face is like, ha, Hitler. Wait, wait, what? Okay. <laughs> oh! Don't give it so fucking good.
0: Um... Yeah, it's, it's funny cuz like that stuff is so dramatic and then he just goes back in his hotel room as like the burning is subsiding and it's just this like smoldering mess and you get the sense that tomorrow there'll be a new person in this in this place and actually the fire will be gone and everything will be cleaned up because this is like you know this is this is the shining hotel but it taken in like a broader extreme.
2: Mm-hmm. It does feel like that.
0: Um
1: and then, like in in the scene where John Goodman's explaining what he's doing he's like I am uh doesn't like say i'm a supernatural entity or anything but it's like i go around i feel sorry for people i try to teach them lessons and they don't listen and it's unclear uh you know unclear and ambiguous as to how um earnest uh charlie is about being an actual arbiter of truth when he's just murdered a bunch of people this could Um, be like
0: the uh the psycho you know like explanation but it also works on this metaphorical level where he is like the devil come to teach him to like actually pay attention to things he claims to care about
1: (laughs) Uh, he he doesn't he He doesn't (laughs) he (laughs) doesn't oh i need to call my parents to make to see if this was real or not (laughs) and see if they're dead, and he doesn't even get an answer to that!
0: I need to carry around what are probably heads, but I refuse to open the box because it's not mine to open. Maybe.
1: What's in the box?
0: It would be rude to open the box. He does get so many hints
1: that his head's in the box and just doesn't open the box. But he does intend to keep carrying it around forever. Yes. (laughs) Didn't even mention the scene where he goes uh, to the USO dance. It's so wild.
0: (laughs) And tells all the troops... that he's a creator. He's a creator. This is the <laughs> one that feels like the least real to me, but is also like, because he's like written the script and he goes out and he's just frantically dancing. Like a, like he just comes across, because he's like, you know, he's John Turrell, so he's like wide eyed and he's like sweaty and he's like gross. And it's all these like very clean cut soldiers, it's like some Hail Caesar shit happening around him. And he's just stepped out of a different movie and everyone is like weirdly put off by it. And it's just good. It's just good the way he is uh, like, He's like a silent film character, like grimacing through this scene. <laughs> yes, <Yeah.
2: laughs> I like when he points to his brain and says, "This is my uniform." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he's doing like man who laughs, like Joker grins through this entire sequence. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think we've covered everything. Though we've got some questions to wrap things up. Cool. Uh, so, if you'd like to send questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, they can be about anything. I love it when you, people just ask general movie questions. They don't have to be about just what we're covering. Um, first question comes from Aiden. Um, what are your favorite coin Brothers roles for Totoro, Goodman, and Buscemi?
2: Let's start with Totoro. How
0: um, about... This uh, this terror
2: is bottom think. It's, it's definitely to be yeah. this one, I think. He's he's great in The Big Lebowski, but this is where he shines. Um he's great in Miller's Crossing, but I don't remember that movie that well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um John Goodman, it's weird cuz like this is clearly like it's hard to not just to say this one, but like I really like him in o brother Where art thou and I really liked him in uh Lewin Davis, like those really stand out like John Goodman Lewin Davis has such like a gravitas to
2: him. I love it mm-hmm. John Goodman in raising Arizona is my favorite <laughs> thing he's ever done he's he just plays this prisoner that escapes out of jail, he's one of Nicolas Cage's old friends and He's really, really polite, but he's up to no good, and I i don't know, he's just really fun. All the line deliveries in that are really great. Um, For Buscemi,
0: I, I feel like I got a big Lebowski. Like, it's an obvious answer, but it, look. <laughs>
2: Shut the fuck I'm, up, I'm, up I'm, Donnie. I'm... He's out of his element. He's out of his element. <laughs> yeah.
1: I I always think of myself as not a big big Lebowski person because of how obnoxious a lot of the quotes are, but a lot of the quotes are also really good. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. No. But the, the, it didn't I, get there by accident. Exactly. Yeah. No. That movie's great. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> it's not uh-huh. even their best, and it's still great. Yeah.
0: Um, Briar writes in, uh, where does the sense of dread in this movie start to kick in for you? For me, it's the second Chet hands over the piece of paper with the name on it. Something about this haunts me. <laughs> uh, Chet handing over the piece
2: of paper with Chet, my name is Chet, uh, is hilarious.
0: <laughs> it's really good.
2: For me, this uh, starts. Oh, no, are you gonna say something? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. The scene where he first leaves New York and, like, the signifier to show that he is in California is just that shot of the wave hitting the rock and Mm. you see it again at the end of the movie i don't know for that to me that's the beginning that's the bell clang
0: uh that's fair i think it's just walking into the hotel that hotel is such a weird like you know timeless strange place like it instantly evokes uh an otherness to it that is
2: good Oh, when you can see the glue dripping off the walls on the outside it's so hallway gross. It's so gross. Uh, at the end, and it's just like, it's drip, it looks like it's wet, but there's fire everywhere. Oh, it's so good. The glue is such amazing production design because glue
1: doesn't look, it's not, glue in wallpaper is not that gloopy and thick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, but it's it still works. Like, he when he puts his hand in it, it's just like, oh, I've
2: dipped my fist into a bowl of PVA glue. It's like, ah, oh, dude. And then, and then, like, when he, he obviously complained to Chet, because Chet sends him some pins to fix it. But, like, wouldn't they just want to redo... Any other hotel would redo the wallpaper. <laughs> yep. Um, very
0: funny. Then we, have, we have some questions from Tron. What's your favorite piece of sound design in the movie? I really enjoy the door closing. So, everyone has to pick not the door closing.
2: God damn it. I, I like the door closing. I like that shot where he's, like freaking out after he's found Audrey's body and they just zoom out to the sink and they go down the drain and you just hear men shouting as if there's like men working down in the sink drain
0: um I think it's Mayhew's like ludicrously overwrought puking noises in the bathroom at the restaurant
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny I love how he introduces himself uh Mayhew sorry about the odor (laughs) uh I
1: love every time that um uh Charlie's like walking over to uh Garden's oh. room <laughs> and they have to do the like long panning shot walk and like bam 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 as he step
2: every single step. It's so God, fun. it's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I love it. Um.
0: Yeah. i think we've covered the rest of these though so uh let's see let's move on to uh brain's question favorite john Turturro role and why does anyone have an answer that isn't do the right thing or this movie
2: um <laughs> no not really I, i'm always happy to see him yeah me too yes exactly no matter what shout He's out to him those... for
0: saving the transformers films single handedly <laughs> single-handedly yes well it's him and uh what's his face uh who? The other the other goofy guy. What's his face? What what are you talking about? Are you talking about um
1: Alan Tudyk? Yeah, no. <sighs> no, cuz I was like
0: that's Well, he wasn't great. Oh, my brain.
2: John Malkovich? No. John Malkovich is in the Transformer movies? He's in the third one. He's look, the Transformer movie Timothy.
1: Oh, Stanley Tucci! Right, because he's in—he's in four and acting rings when everyone else. Because Mark Wahlberg comes up and is doing really awful, just being the worst person. Stanley Tucci is the only person who
0: understands what movie is going on around him. Yes, <laughs> yeah, he is great. Picking up the torch, uh, they're in—they're the, in that movie together. They're just in different plots, right? In the fourth one.
1: No, uh, no, he. Um, I think John Stewart is only in the, uh, last one. Unless John's no, John Stewart comes back in the fifth one. So yes, they're both in that. Yeah. Okay. Stanley Tucci
0: is is the wizard Merlin. Yes. In, last night. <laughs> <laughs> uh Transformers first... is really bad, but if you just like to watch uh good actors like knowing what movie they're in, like having a good time, that's it. There's a bit the in first... Transformers 3. It's 3, right? Where there's the yes. where they're going they're going to like the uh, like a Russian mafia club or whatever and he's like a he's 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 like uh like he's like the um the conspiracy theorist guy in that, right? Like, he's not the government agent, or is he both? <laughs> he's the he after the first movie gets disavowed and becomes the conspiracy theorist, right? In two and three, and so there's this goofy scene where they go up to this club and they knock on the door. The bouncer opens like the little peephole thing. He's like, "Uh, th- it's like what's the password?" It's like Dasu He's like, "That means goodbye," and shuts the thing on him. Again. <laughs> and it's like the funniest thing in the movie. <laughs> That and, uh, they didn't have a tightest shirt. We checked. That's the second movie. That's that's the only good part of the second movie. (laughs) It's one gag better than the whole film. (laughs) Um. Anyway. Uh, do the right thing. It's hard to argue with, right? Like, it's fucking one of the best movies ever made.
1: mm
0: Mm-hmm. Um all right and then we've got a question from alex uh if you were a traveling murder person what would your cover story be Ah, uh, preacher terror leader <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd do the i'd do the um night of the hunter thing <laughs>
1: I'd do that. um i'd probably have to be like a, a writer or something probably like a restaurant critic or something i don't know okay yeah i, <laughs> I like the trip.
0: the trip but it's like murder <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: I was like, it needs to be a writer, but not like, definitely not like a creative writer. It has to be some kind of travel writer. Thing. I guess restaurant critics probably Man, wouldn't
0: work I well. I would love a movie that's the trip, but murder. <laughs> <laughs> just just walking into the office of whatever movie studio saying, the trip, but murder. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Look, it's, it's, it sells itself, I think. Yeah, no, I'm there. Uh, Which one's the murderer? I don't know. I mean, both, Who? right?
1: Who's more likely to be the murderer, Rob Brydon or the other one, um, uh, Steve Coogan? Uh,
0: Rob Brydon. You think it's Coogan, but uh, you know, no, it's not.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, you're right.
0: Um, and then the second question: What is that Barton Fink feeling?
2: <laughs> it's about the common man, and it'll show you the life of the mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, how? Did, I guess this begs the question: How
0: did it end up that he was hired by Hollywood in the first place with one? Like, well-reviewed, but, like, not that big Broadway play under his belt.
1: So, at this moment, I must direct you to how every single Marvel director gets hired.
0: (laughs) I guess that's true. I guess that's true. God. They really did just, like, nail the history of Hollywood to the wall, I guess. Yeah, no, like, once you have, like, potential, we securing down the new talent in contracts, uh, that, like, you have so many contracts, that if only one of them works, it's fine. Yeah, you, you directed you directed one $10 million movie that did surprisingly well, guess what, now you're directing, like, Spider-Man 6.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Um, And the thing is, like, unlike this movie, those movies are set up where, like the, the scriptwriter writer the director doesn't have to do anything like it, the the system exists to keep those people from failing in a way that is not true of this film like this movie is so much about a studio system that is not the same as our studio system which is a much more efficient machine that does this thing also
1: i think i could direct a marvel movie i uh, just nod and say yes i think i think literally anyone could direct a marvel movie at this point which is not to say it's like not hard but no uh... The just like I said, I know they've prevised the action scenes already, and like the yeah. director can come in and make decisions. I guess. I mean, but the you make too many, of you Marvel get fired. Are
0: not directing the action scenes? It's the second no. unit directors who've been doing all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I too could be like, what if we shoot outside, and then everyone on turtle will be like, this is the best looking movie that's ever been made. <laughs> I loved when that first thing came out and everyone made fun of Kevin Feige for
1: saying, um, oh, this looks like, we shot this in CGI. And the actual shot came out and it looks like bad CGI. Fucking amazing. Best punch life.
0: Uh Elliot writes in, uh why the golden age of Hollywood? I guess uh they're trying to do stuff with World War II as a period appropriate film's relatively new medium. Uh I always felt they had there might be more going on that I missed, or do the co-ins like period pieces? I think we talked about some of this. I definitely think it's part of like like it's di- the part where World War II breaks out during the movie is important. Like cops come in and they're they're fascists, right? Like he's going off to war. Yes. They literally they literally ask whether the hotel's been restricted to Jewish people when the cops come in.
2: I also think it, just having that pre-modern era, like, age of traveling salesmen, age of the new theater coming in and uh, that sort of thing is important to the rest of the film and the feel of the New theater? Film. You mean the real theater? <laughs> <laughs> and also Hollywood, I mean, it still kind of works like this, but, it you know, they definitely want that. They, they couldn't write a film about a, a writer in the 90s and have the same vibe. Yeah.
0: Um, and then uh, Elliot's other question uh, is what are some of your favorite film locations like The Earl where you have really strong place impressions uh, based on the movie, the way it's shot, whatever?
2: Hmm.
1: That's a hard question.
2: It is a hard question. I like the kids' rooms in Poltergeist.
0: That's a good one. This is definitely one I'm like, I can name like a thousand TV locations, but that's different because you get hundreds of hours. So it's really <laughs> easy.
1: Wait, so like, what? read the question again. Like, is it, which movie has a good sense of specific set? Well, this is sets, talking about so...
0: how, how uncomfortable and slimy and hot the Earl feels as like, and even as like a memory that Ellie had of the movie. What are some of your favorite film locations where you have strong impressions of what the place oh. felt like?
1: Yeah, Okay. I guess you're right. It's like, it's all. It's, I've spent uh, too many hours watching people talk on the Enterprise D bridge, right? Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, the rabbi, the last rabbi that he goes to see in a serious man after seeing a series of rabbis, <laughs> like, is in this, like, enclosed office. And I really like, I don't know, Just it, it just tells a whole story about this rabbi. And it's just this one room. I don't know
0: hmm Um I I'm gonna in terms of movies, I'm like thinking like the one that came to mind is uh The Ascent, which is the coldest of movies ever felt to me. Like genuinely.
2: Oh yeah. That
0: was a good film. We watched a lot of good movies. We were talking last night as we were watching this. It's like we, we did pretty well. I feel like there's only been one bad movie since we've relaunched this podcast that we watched. We've done we've mostly done pretty great movies. Yeah, yeah. Every time, just a winner every time. Yep, yeah, that's what we call it. <laughs> I'm gonna rename the podcast. It's a winner every time. <laughs> uh, and then our final email, Rick writes in: uh, I was introduced to the Coens through Barton Fink and Miller's Crossing, and as such, those movies are always linked in my head. Later, I'd learn they're much closer linked to development. Um, what are two films that, for whatever reason, are linked in your head? Uh, mine is Dark City and The Matrix, even though. Um, I saw them, like, a decade apart, because I saw The Matrix in the new, and I didn't see Dark City until well into my 20s. Um, but for some reason, like, they just both exist in the same space in my brain. Is like, this is just what the late 90s were about in film.
1: To be fair, the dark, dark City and The Matrix are, like, deep impact and the other one levels yes. of the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> I could
0: have, I could have uh, answered Armageddon. with the... Oh, yes. I could have answered the other one, and then you said it and I erased it from my brain by <laughs> the other one. Dante's Peak and Volcano. It happens. Yeah. It happens. Um,
1: which ones are that aren't just that, can I say? Which ones are the, like linked for more coincidental reasons?
2: Mine is so tied to just my childhood. Uh, I associate the great outdoors with Willow because they were on a tape together. When I was a kid, somebody had taped them off of television onto the same tape. So I always expect one to come on after the other. Whenever I watch either one of those films, that's that's me with uh, Next Gen and Mash because they were in syndication together for me.
0: So I always associate one with the other when I think about them. Mm-hmm. Is, that was way it's way easier to link things like that in a TV world.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> loads of things that are, you know uh, TNG for me as uh, between The Simpsons and Robot Wars, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so those are linked.
0: All right. Well, that's all the questions. Again, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. We did it. Podcast. We did it. Next time, we're watching Eyes Wide Shut. You know what that is. I don't need to tell anybody what that is. Get it. Yeah. Watch it. It's good. I Get No, we'll no one else in this cast has seen it. I'm here to tell you before we watch it. It's good. I like it a lot. <laughs> I'm very excited. Me too. Um, uh, and we'll see if everyone else agrees with me or if they're wrong next time.
1: i mean you could you could just end any podcast like that
2: (laughs) destiny plugs
0: did we lose destiny for some reason right here at the end Oh
2: nope i'm here sorry uh it just took me a second to register what you were saying i am at fridge buzz now my other podcast is called Badland girls and can be found at abnormal mapping.com slash badland girls yeah jackson
1: you can find me at head off on twitter.com you can find the other podcasts that i do at abnormal mapping.com go listen to them there's a bunch of cool ones
0: yeah um we just put out a normal mapping on max pain 2 and gravity rush that i'm really happy with uh me if you'd too. like you can find me on twitter at em underscore being if you'd like to support the podcast you can do that patreon.com session normal mapping for $1 a month, you get The Great Gundam Project. We're currently watching Turn A Gundam and The Big O. Big O, I've heard, is a show that people are very fond of uh, with our friend Austin Walker, uh, who's joining us again this season. Uh, $5, we do a podcast every month where we watch a bad film. Not a bad, it's complicated. I'm not sure what our rhetoric, like our rubric is for movies we pick, but we're watching Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is probably a good movie. We're watching that tomorrow. It'll be out the day after this episode goes up. For $5 a month, you get that. I'll tell you right now, the next movie we're watching is Final Fantasy Spirits Within. That's going to be a great time. I'm really excited to watch that. Uh, let's for, go for ten dollars you get voip life where we will be talking about the west wing next episode that comes out every two weeks <laughs> <laughs> there's no way half of that podcast isn't west wing talk god unlocked a cavern in my brain
2: <laughs>
0: that i
1: sealed away because i became communist
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes the thing is it's still a pretty good show and it's not the worst thing that's ever been made <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so i guess look forward to that So, yeah, uh, we'll be back in two or three. Oh, also, and then an airplane. My Ghibli podcast is ending. We're recording last episode this week about the documentary Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. I think that's what that's called. Uh, And then we're done with that. So if you'd like to go listen to that, it's uh, abnormalmapping.com slash aeroplane. A-E-R-O-P-L-A-N-E. And uh, that'll be the last episode. But me and Autumn have already got something new in the works that I think is going to be really exciting. It's probably going to be weekly. So I will announce that when we have a name. We don't have a name, but it'll be good. Um, the fuck, last time I checked, you were like, well, I'm definitely not going to do more work. So I have no idea what this is. <laughs> but good No, job. you don't know. We, we did this in the DMs yesterday and was like, okay, let's I call this a plan. Um, so, All right. But I'm teasing in here for the first time and we'll probably announce on Aeroplane. An so, Nice. Yeah. Uh, that's everything. Uh, until then, movies now more than ever.
1: You don't expect to like them.